This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code, the show up dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. All marriages, even the really good ones, need mending. The routine of jobs, kids, chores, and other commitments alone can overshadow romance and passion with any husband and wife. As a result, couples can feel disillusioned or even alone. That is why I've created this marriage series, a platform for husbands and wives to come on and share what they do to be successful. Today, I'm joined with my beautiful wife, Jenny, and our guests, Trey and Lee Morgan. They live in Childress, Texas. They were high school sweethearts that married right out of high school and have been married for 34 years. They have four grown sons that age from 33 down to 21. They are actively involved in marriage ministry. He and his wife travel all over the U.S. doing weekend workshops for churches called Stronger Marriage Workshops, blessed to get to speak to thousands yearly about having stronger marriages. They have authored three amazing marriage books. Two have become bestsellers. Much of their marriage coaching comes through their social media sites that they have a half a million followers. Man, that's big. They also have a bi-weekly podcast called the Stronger Marriage Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. It is an honor to be here. We appreciate it very much. Excited about our, our hour we're going to spend together visiting about marriage. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, um, I just want to ask you guys, like we always ask all our guests, how was your expectations of marriage before you got married and how did that really change? Like, what was your expectations of it? I think for me, um, I grew up... Uh, with a great, uh, my parents set a great model of marriage for me, um, you know, of, of just being each other's companions and raising children together. And, uh, they had a healthy relationship. And I think as far as I, you know, that's, that's what I wanted in a relationship when I got married was somebody to share my life with somebody to raise kids with, uh, you know, and we discussed that we both wanted children. Um, but I think as far as, as detailed expectations go, we, we didn't get very detailed, you know, with that. Um, and so, of course, there was some growing pains in those first couple of years because of, you know, unmet expectations that we just didn't quite, you know, get into the nitty gritty of what we expected from each other. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were both very, very young. We had dated for four years and when it kind of became legal to get married, we got married. And so I think our expectations at the time were, I loved her. She loved me. We want to do life together and build a family together. And we have no clue what to expect. 
Um, I think had we married at, at, at later in our 20s, we might have come into marriage with a little bit of different idea or mindset. But I think part of it was the fact that we were so young that uh, we just knew we wanted to be together. We just couldn't imagine doing life apart. I didn't want to do life without her. She didn't want to do life without me. So that was one of the reasons we decided at a young age uh, with our, our parents' permission, none of them were mad at us, that we wanted to get married and let's start this life and go. And and we did. And, and as Lee said, there was a lot of growing pains. We were both uh, very immature um, and, and just had a lot of things to work through. And we're so glad we did because we worked through some things that I know probably some other couples might have given up on and, and we're reaping the benefits of some really good times in marriage right now because we didn't give up in the tough times. Yeah. Giving up really was never an option for us. Um, we, you know, we just didn't ever let that be an option, but there were definitely some growing pains. Yeah. I think it's always so interesting to hear these amazing stories about couples that got married at a young age. I heard somewhere a statistic saying that couples that get married younger actually learn to problem solve together as a couple earlier on uh, rather than couples that get married later on in life. They've learned how to be very independent. And so they gravitate towards the independency as opposed to relying on their spouse to help them and, and then growing together to, to make those changes and to problem solve the big issues in life. Yeah. I, that makes perfect sense. Uh, it really does because we, you know, we probably weren't even finished growing up and we kind of just grew up together in those early years. There were a lot of things there's, I think there are definitely some pros to marrying early. There's obviously some, obviously some cons too. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think uh, both ways, the, the interesting thing is in the late eighties, when we got married, mm -hmm. uh, the average age was 20 and 22 women, women at, married at 20 and men at 22. Uh, now it is at least about a year ago when we looked, it was uh, 28 and 26. And so people are marrying later in life. And, and mm -hmm. so many of them already have so many foundations set um, they know their likes, their dislikes, how they want to do things. And we kind of went into marriage not knowing what we wanted. We just kind of did it together because we were young at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely see that, too, because I'm six years older than my wife, Jenny. And um, at that age, I was already ready to settle down. OK, I'd already been in the military. I had started school and stuff like that. And she was 21 right yeah but you met me straight out of high school yeah i met her straight out of high school so i was brand new <laughs> <laughs> but uh i i definitely see you know that was one of our biggest uh arguments that we had in our early marriage was i got to live my life and she she was just barely starting you know what i mean and she didn't get you know her her age at 21 uh, granted we were in the world at the time we weren't believers at all so she hadn't got the opportunity to go to like bars and stuff like that at 21, you know, and that was, you know, something that she wanted to have the experience, you know what I mean? And I was like, I'm already over it. We're going to have a family, you know? So it's a big, you know, miscommunication there. So, yeah, it was, yeah. We, we definitely had some hurdles too, but um, getting, because we got pregnant so early after we got married, I really felt that pressure more of, of, of having to go into the family life as opposed to still being young, being married and not having children. Did you all start a family really early on in your marriage as well? Or did you wait? We did. Um, yes. On our first anniversary, uh, I believe I was about 
six weeks away from our first child. So wow, <laughs> wow. yeah, we started, we started early. Yeah. We, we had kind of planned on four or five years and then have children and God had other plans. And so uh, it worked that way and we wouldn't, we wouldn't change now. We wouldn't change any of it, but uh, mm-hmm. it definitely put strain on a young couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that people can, if they're in that position right now, what are some uh, coping mechanisms that a couple can do to still enjoy life having a family so young? I think there's, I think there's several things. I think one is you uh, rely on, uh, you're a teammate now, you've got a teammate in life. And so it's not just, uh, you know, her raising kids or him doing this. It's, hey, how can we work at this as a team? And what can we do uh, to remember that we're not just mom and dad anymore. We're also husband and wife still. And so one of the things that we did uh, early that we tried really hard to do and we encourage other couples to do is don't just turn into mom and dad. Uh, it's easy to take off the, the husband wife hat and put on the mom and dad hat when the kids come and just solely become parents. And that's really unhealthy, both for your marriage and for your kids, believe it or not. Yeah. And so we still tried uh, at a young age to date on a on a weekly or biweekly basis. Uh, we still tried to be very affectionate. We, we tried to put the kids to bed at an early at time so we could have time together for just us. Uh, we didn't want to just be parents. We still wanted to be Trey and Lee, and we still wanted to be married. And we found that to be very beneficial um, and, and, and again, it was good for us. It was also good for our kids because our kids needed to see that marriage was important to us and that we loved each other and that we, um, you know, were affectionate with one another. We wanted to go on dates because, uh, even though we had spent time with them, we, we were also a husband and wife. And so that was very good for our kids to see that. That's awesome. I wish that, um, when we got married at a young age, we had like a, uh, a lot of support from our family to be able to go and do those things. Uh, we kind of moved further away from our family. So we just relied on each other. And then he started a career where he was out of town a lot. So it was definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely interesting, a dynamic. And then especially if you grew up in a, a broken home or something like that, you know, that type of trauma plays into that trauma and just, it's just kind of a recipe, you know what I mean? And that's undealt with. So, yeah. And I think it's great that young couples can learn from people that have gone through it, how to do it right. You know, get that support, do those date nights. Those are so important. I, they, I they sure, are. yeah. Cause you have to remember how to have fun, mm-hmm. right? You have to remember how to have fun together. I think having fun together really, knits your relationship together in a way that reminds you it's not all about the responsibility. It's not all about the, I'm just getting through this day survival mode type of stuff. Yeah. And one thing that young couples forget sometimes, and and I know it seems so far away when you have, have toddlers or babies is there's going to come a time when they'll, they'll leave home. Those, those Mm -hmm. babies are going to grow up someday and it's going to actually be quicker than you think. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to go into empty nest, not having been husband and wife and only having been for the last 20 something years, just mom and dad, because mm-hmm. there is a, there is a spike in the divorce rate uh, during empty nest, because a lot of couples have not been husband and wife. They've been mom and dad and and the kids finally leave and they're home together. And they're like, I don't know you. And I don't know you. And it's real uncomfortable. It's very awkward. And Personally, we we are what three years empty nesters, 
And, oh. and it is incredible. Uh, we are loving empty net. <laughs> you know, if I could go back and tell that 22 and 24 year old couple, hey, you know, I would say it's coming. Hang in there. Be patient because someday you love your kids. You're glad when they come home, but you're also glad to see them doing life on their own because that's mm-hmm. your job as a parent. Raise those kids to where they go off and fly and and they come home and see you and then they leave again, which is wonderful. And you still have time to be husband and wife. And it's like a second honeymoon. It's good stuff. That's awesome. Okay. So you guys meet early on in life. Then you get married straight out of high school. You start a family real young. What led you to do the work that you do today with stronger marriages? Am I, am I talking on, I talk last, so it's kind of your turn, but <laughs> it, it wasn't anything we were specifically looking for. Now, just so you know, and for those who are listening, Lee and I are both in full-time ministry. Uh-huh. Um, I, I am a senior minister. Uh, Lee is actually a children's minister at the same church. And, and so we have been in ministry since we were early 20s uh, in full-time ministry. In ministry, one of the things that we both loved was we loved early as a young couple, we loved going to retreats, we loved going to marriage workshops, uh, we read marriage books together um, because we wanted our marriage to be successful and we were so glad that we went. And then we kind of got passionate about it and and we would, we would teach marriage classes, we would have a marriage Bible study in our home um, and we would enjoy that. And then maybe... 14, 15 years ago, we had, we've had churches that would call me and they would go, Trey, come to a marriage retreat for us. Uh, Lee, I'm the extrovert, Lee's an introvert. And so uh, she'd come along as moral support and we would go do a marriage retreat for some couples at a church. Well, before you knew it, there were some more churches that were calling. And then before you knew it, I actually told Lee, I said, I think we could turn our little marriage retreat into more of a weekend workshop, a boot camp, if you want to call it, uh, for couples. Uh, This was probably 12 years ago, and um, we didn't go looking for it. It's just kind of like we just had people that called and said, would you come to Dallas and do one? And we were at your Dallas conference, and we live in Oklahoma City. Would you come to Oklahoma? So God was the one. Honestly, people go, how do you get into this? God was the one that opened all the doors to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we give him full credit, and and until he shuts the doors, we're going to keep running through it. Um, we, we simply pretty much in our workshops, kind of tell you what we did wrong. Uh, don't do that. And, uh, and some things that we did right that worked well for us. And so that's kind of how we got going. And now we, we do a workshop a month. Again, we're in full-time ministry, so we can own, we only have time to do about one a month mm-hmm. and, uh, we're headed to Oklahoma this coming weekend and, and Casper, Wyoming next month. But we, We've done over a hundred and we're, we're actually booked about three years out right now uh, on our schedule. And so um, we generally have churches that host us um, churches that will call us and say, Hey, use our facilities on Fridays and Saturdays. We have nothing going on. And and that's kind of how we decide where we're going to go do a workshop is the church will go, we're going to bring in all the community and area shows up big, big group of folks. And it's, you know, our belief is that that really God wants churches to be the uh, a voice for healthy marriages and mm-hmm. to be kind of an instrumental and help get the word out. And if that's marriage conferences, marriage classes, 
you know, marriage lessons, whatever it is that it needs to get done. But that's kind of how we got into it. It was it was all an accident. We didn't go looking for any of it. And and so now we feel like we do full time ministry with what we've always done. And we feel like God's given us kind of a second ministry of marriage, marriage ministry. Mm. That's awesome. That is awesome. I, I see the same thing too um, with us. You know, I understand that sometimes our mess is our message. And my old man used to always tell me, he's like, learn from other people's mistakes, you know? And I think if we can take our mess, turn it into a message and help others not have to go through the things that we went through, I think it's powerful. And I think people are really open and receptive to hear that versus someone telling you word for word, oh, this, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You know, they want to see life real, you know, stuff that's happening to people, you know, and I think that's why people that why your ministry is actually taking off is, you know, because it's God inspired for one. And number two, it's real, you know? Yeah. And, and we feel that way. Um, we have a lot of couples that either come to our workshops or even on social media, we have a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of followers on social media and they'll ask us sometimes, where did y'all get your material? It seems very fresh and very new and very contemporary. And we're like, it's 2000 years old. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's basically it's biblical principles that God designed marriage to be. And we're, we're not telling you anything that hadn't been, been told forever and ever. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that it's 2000 years old, but when you really put it into perspective, a lot of these principles are just, you know, they're the basics of what God has taught us of, of how to be in marriage and things like that. And they really haven't changed very much through the years, although culture and society keep saying, oh, you know, you've got to change and move and be fluid. And, you know, that's for back then. And that doesn't apply to, to today. But I, I don't foresee that that's the truth when it comes to marriage. God we designed agree. it one yeah. way and, you know it should function in the way that he designed it. Mm -hmm. Right. What are some of the, uh, what are some of the ways that you have overcome attacks in your marriage? Cause I know that with ministry and anytime we deal in sp spiritual areas, when we're called to a certain thing, sometimes we do get attacked during that path that we're on. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you together overcome those attacks in your marriage? I think that um, communication is always a key. You know, we've got to be in constant communication about um, mm -hmm. about expectations, like we talked about earlier, because if we just let, you know, one little thing fester, it, it gets bigger and bigger. And that's what Satan wants, you know, is and that may be all it takes for him to attack us is that if, you know, just one little thing that we let fester. So we try to stay on top of things and communicate. Um apologize, forgive each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we always say, uh, forgiveness is huge in marriage. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to need it daily. He's going to need it daily. And so, yeah, that's yeah. one of the things. And I think the other thing that we do and we, we, I don't know that we do well, but we are very uh, intentional with it is we, we look at our marriage. We think we have a very, very good marriage, a very strong marriage, yet we don't take that for granted. Uh, we know that we've still got to work on this. Mm -hmm. uh, we also know that we're still very vulnerable, that yeah. Satan would love nothing more than to take us out. Mm -hmm. And we have to be paying attention. Uh, we have to be alert. 
we would never say, you will never hear us go, hey, we that would never happen to us. Because the, the first time we begin to let our guard down about marriage that, hey, those things wouldn't happen to us. We, we've just given, we've given him an inch and he's going to try and take a whole lot more. Um, and so anytime that we get comfortable in marriage going, hey, we won't, we won't ever do that or that wouldn't happen to us. You better be on guard because he's going to do everything he can with your pride, uh, with our whatever it is, not paying attention to try to wedge us uh, to get us a little bit in there because uh, we we just got to be alert. And and we hear couples sometimes go, we would never, you know, we'd never allow ourselves to do what that couple did. And I'm yeah. like, you, you know, no marriage is is not susceptible to temptation. So don't you ever let your guard down ever. Um, you know, it's just so, so important to us that we, we pray regularly when we have our prayer time together, protect yeah. us, help us pay attention to the enemy and what he's trying to do to us. Uh, uh, give us a, a border of protection to so that we can continue to be a voice and a and, and an outreach to people. But um, we just don't want to take for granted that uh, hey, you know, he can't get us uh, because when we do, we're in trouble. No, I agree too. That's a certain level of pride. You know, the Bible talks about how pride comes before a fall, and definitely when you're saying that this can't happen to us, that's a level of pride. I know we experienced that when we were asked to step into a role for marriage uh, classes, right? And um, it was funny because before one of our greatest attacks that we had on our own family, we had just told each other, man, our marriage is actually pretty awesome. This is doing really good. We're, we're, we're in a good place, you know? And then little did we know, you know what I mean? We we're going to get attacked because we got complacent, you know, and, you know, things happen. So. I think it's great, Lee, that the first thing that came to your mind was staying on top of things mm -hmm. and communication, because I really, truly believe that it's the little seeds that grow into the big weeds, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. I've experienced that in my own, in my own life and in our marriage where, you know, those little seeds of offense take root and they become resentment that eventually just like poisons you and it's difficult to see the good in your marriage once you've reached that point and resentment can really just eat away at the fibers of a marriage it can really re it, it can eat away even at the fibers of who you are as a person to the point where you become this person that you don't recognize and you can even betray yourself in those moments of resentment which is really detrimental, not only for the marriage, but also for your own position um, and, and the standard that you have for yourself in living. So I, I love that that was the first thing that came to mind for you because so often we see couples will just kind of brush things under the rug or oftentimes I hear men that, um, and it's, it's on both sides, but I mostly hear it from men where they're like, uh, you know, my wife wants to keep bringing up the past. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to me, that's a clue that there's something unresolved there. Mm -hmm. If if somebody keeps bringing up the past because there's great hurt, they haven't processed it, they haven't resolved it. And you definitely need to work the, through those things. And it can be very difficult. What are some tools that people can use to work through some of these harder topics that might be difficult to talk about? 
we we tell couples all the time. I mean, you you mentioned pride and a lot of couples just like they won't even attend a workshop because they think, you know, there's this stigma that says workshops are only for couples that are having trouble. Mm. And, you know, that's not the case because we're we preach that if you work on your marriage in the good times, there's going to be less bad times. Uh, so, you know, being proactive in your marriage, uh, is one of the best things you can do. Um, I find it interesting. I'm not trying, can I pause you right there for a sec? I find it interesting that the majority of the couples that come to our workshops are couples with really good marriages that tells me they know what they need to do to keep their marriage strong. That was, you know, it's very eye-opening when you look around and you see all these really healthy marriages at a workshop. And it's just kind of like, I wish people really struggling would see what it takes to have a good marriage. You want to work on it even when things are going good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, intentionality um, is, is just, I don't know. It's just my favorite thing to talk about is that we have to be intentional every day at improving our marriage. You know, we can't just put it on cruise control and expect it to, to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got to always be working on it, uh, working to improve it. And there, there may come those times and those topics that are, that are really touchy and hard to discuss. Um, and we encourage couples to, to get help. If it's just something that you just can't quite seem to come to an agreement on, or that you really just can't even sit down and discuss without arguing about it or whatever it is. Um, don't let pride come in the way of that, you know, seek some outside counseling, seek a mentor that can help you work through, you know, somebody else that maybe has been through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, your mess is, has become your message. There are other people out there that you can turn to that have worked through that issue that can help you. So um, th- that's what we would encourage couples to do. Keep talking, keep communicating. Um, one of the things that, that uh, men are bad about going that they they would love, let's hear what you got, tell me, and I'll do better, and then don't bring it up anymore. And so men are sometimes really bad about not taking an issue serious, and they can't understand why their, their wife is bringing it back up. Uh, two things here is, one, men, if you're going to say, I'm going to do better, then you need to do better. You, you can't keep doing the same thing and wonder why she's bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing that you have to understand is uh, a lot of times with wives, wives are really Sometimes wives are very intuitive. They Lee Lee picks up on little things about me that I'll think, "How did you know this?" And she said, I "Just read it, your body language or your face, or uh, I kind of read between." Men aren't that way. Men men don't read dots. You know, people go, "Wait, you know, I just connected the dots." Men, you can't get for most men, you can't get the dots close enough for us to connect. Dropping <laughs> hints. And, and trying to get them to connect dots doesn't work for most men. So ladies, what we need is we need you to shoot straight with us. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't drop hints. Don't beat around the bush. Sit us down and go, can we have a talk? Then I'll know that that's serious. My wife wants to talk to me. So we'll sit down. we got the kids in bed. What is it that we need to talk about tonight? And, and then shoot straight. Don't be dropping hints. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me what I need to do. Uh, tell me what you need from me, whatever it is. And, and sometimes, most of the time, men will get that. But every now and then, you have to tell a man twice. Uh, or sometimes it takes him a little while to remind him, hey, you remember when we had that one talk? Yes, I'm going to do better. I'm going to keep working on that. So it's not a process. You can't flip a switch and just go, I'll do better. And then you do better all the time. Sometimes it does take a little while to get better at that. I've made a lot of huge changes 
that took time. Uh, it wasn't just flipping a switch to where all of a sudden I was a really good husband in this area. Sometimes it took me having to take a step back and be reminded, oh yeah, I got to do better on this. But ladies, one of the best things you can do is be be straightforward with us. Talk to us. Don't expect us just to know what you want, what you need, what you're thinking. We need to hear you actually say it. Mm. Mm, I like that. I like that. Uh, with, through your guys' coaching and stuff like that, I heard you guys on a podcast talk about some very bad marriage advice and tips that you should probably not listen to. Can you guys uh, go over that? Cause I think that's important for people to understand. Give us a few, give us a few bad marriage tips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's been a while. Um, one of, I think one of one that comes up is uh, don't go to bed angry. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's one that we, we kind of disagree with. I mean, sometimes you maybe have an argument, maybe you just can't agree on something and, Sometimes it's better to just say, you know, let's just agree to disagree right now. Let's get a good night's sleep instead of just keeping on, you know, uh, hashing this out. And sometimes when you wake up in the morning, you realize that really wasn't a big deal. You know, I mean, sometimes you ju it just resolves itself um, and you realize, you know, hey, I made too big of an issue about that last night because I was tired of whatever um, so not, I think that's a marriage myth. It's okay to go to bed angry as long as you know, you know, we're not going to just let this anger steep. We're going to work it out tomorrow if, if it's not resolved by then. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's one that we hear, still hear couples all the time for us going to bed at times frustrated with one another worked great because we got up the next morning and it was like that wasn't a big deal at all. Mm -hmm. uh, another marriage myth that we think that uh, is pretty unhealthy is there's no myth that says uh, absence makes a heart grow fonder. And while we agree with that in a sense that when I've been gone all day and I come back in in the evening times or Lee's been gone all day and she comes home and I hadn't seen her all day, I want to spend time with her and I, I want to hear about her day and I want to stay in that. And that's healthy. But a lot of people use that myth to go, hey, I'm going to take a job that's going to keep me away from my family, you know, a week or two at a time, and then I'll come home for a weekend, and then I'll be gone for, and and can we just say that that absence is really very hard on marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, long distance relationships are tough. Um, and so don't ever use the absence makes a heart grow fonder to justify being away from your family when when you could be home more often. Mm -hmm. And I could definitely agree with, with that 100% because we lived it, you know what I mean? And a lot of our fan base are traveling linemen and, um, sometimes they do have to leave their family often. And then some make the choice to take their family with them mm -hmm. either way. It can still be a very difficult choice, like career path to go on and such. Uh, but you know, I think too, now with the level of communication and then uh, social media and stuff like that, you're able to communicate a lot more. So there's really no excuse uh, getting that one-on-one -on -one time with your family. Um, when I was on the road, we didn't have as much as much of that. You know what I mean? There was no Zoom or whatever. You know? So it, it, was, it was very difficult, you know? Yeah. 
And that's key. That is key. And a lot of a lot of couples don't get that. It's we're apart from each other. Well, you try hard to find time every day before bed to connect with Zoom or with FaceTime or you you connect with that spouse that you're away from. That's just a healthy thing to do. Text when you get opportunities during the day to let them know you're thinking about them. Mm. But even still, like even with that communication, it's hard, especially even on the kids, because when daddy would come home, and he'd be like the weekend dad, I would always say I'm dating my husband because we would just like have our weekend dates. <laughs> the kids, it it would just kind of mess up and disrupt the whole, you know, scheduling dynamic. and dynamic that I had created in the home. And then when he would come home, he had very different ideas of how he would do things. And so it, it can be very hard on a family when one partner is gone regularly. So I completely agree with with that being um, some bad marriage advice. And also to to go back to your first one that you had to say, as far as don't go to bed angry, we often hear that in the Christian world and they mm -hmm. utilize that Bible verse on a regular basis. Um, but we actually found that it, no, if you stay up all night arguing just so you don't go to bed angry, sometimes you just turn a, a mole, like a mount, a, a molehill into a mountain. And yes. it's not a big deal. And like you said, sometimes you wake up and you roll over and you kiss your husband. You're like, Oh my gosh, I love you. <laughs> and I'll throw this out there because we do, we actually, in the Christian world, we take that verse out of context. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And it really is not talking about a married couple who are not getting along. Don't go to bed until you figure this out. That is not the context of that verse. And so if you're using that verse to go, Hey, we can't go to bed until we get this figured out. You've really pulled that verse out of context of what it meant. And that was not what it was written for. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know one thing that I've often heard amongst people being married and such is, oh, you don't deserve that. You know, like when they're trying to get advice from their married friends or whatever, oh, you don't deserve that. And it hmm. seems to me people are always so quick to want to jump to, you don't deserve that. You deserve better. You should have something better. Whereas hmm. like they have an idea that if you're married to the right person, then you don't have to work. You don't have to, you know, put in the effort. It's not going to be hard type of thinking and soulmate. Yes. The soulmate. Yeah. yeah we, we hear that too. You know, I yeah. didn't marry the right person because we've had bad times and I'm like, who doesn't have bad times? You know, uh, it's not about, it's not going to be just all, uh, you know, peaches and ice cream when you get married and you're never going to have a problem at all. Yeah. Right. It's not always about, you know, did I marry the right person? It's usually more about I'm um, I'm gonna be the best spouse that I can be. Mm -hmm. You know, you you've made your choice, now love your choice kind of mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have any other possible bad marriage advice tips? I was trying to think. I can't even remember. That was an old podcast, and I can't remember what some of more one of the ones that we think is bad, bad marriage advice, or at least there's a lot of, we live in a time in, in 2023 where people are promoting, don't lose your individuality. And, mm -hmm. and get that. I mean, there's still things that Lee loves to do that she'll go shopping with the girls. Uh, there's things I like to do with the guys and, and do my sort of thing. Um, but, but our goal in marriage is not individuality. Our goal in our marriage is oneness. Yes. Uh, it is about us becoming so together and so one that uh, 
when one one is happy, the other's happy. When one hurts, the other hurts. And you know, we when we finally learned about oneness in marriage and and how important it was, we we kind of finally got the idea that it you know it's not my money, it's not her money, it's it's our money. You know, we don't. There's no more hers and mine anymore in our marriage. There's there's no more. There's no more my phone and your phone. It's our phones. And if you want to use mine, use my phone. Um, it's no longer uh, about, you know, whatever it is. There's just not any more of the, well, that's hers and that's mine. And you can't ask me not to be uh, an individual. We do have our own likes and dislikes, but uh, uh, we choose to depend on one another. And we are not we want a vacation together. We want to spend time together. We want to do things together. Mm-hmm. And uh, we struggle with couples who go, you know, hey, we don't vacation together. We don't spend time together. I don't know how you can be married if you're not married, spending time with the person that you're married. No, I agree. And a lot of times we see that with uh, couples that have gotten uh, married later on in life because they've already developed their own past, their own lifestyles, right? And then when those two, when you're trying to mesh those together, it just doesn't click. You have yeah. your own style. She has her own style. You know what I mean? And we see a lot of those problems like that with in that marriage, you know, in that dynamic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Especially if two people have, you know, acquired their own assets and wealth and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for them to blend the two. But in my mind, I, I'm on board with what you are saying. Mm-hmm. It's not two individuals, but it's creating a oneness. And uh, your life never really benefits as oneness if you continue to live individually and you know not to say that you can't be an you're not an individual person you don't have your individual thoughts and things like that because yes every person does um and your individuality actually complements your husband or your spouse's individuality and you become become like a stronger team because you both have these great assets that you bring together to work together. And, um, and I do agree that that is something I think kind of came with the feministic movement mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, the woman, you know, needs to go and be the girl boss and have her own money and all this stuff. And and now we're seeing this split, this rift in families where everybody's trying to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I find it's kind of sad too. Yeah. Well, you said you did. You said that well. You explained that whole thing really, really well. And I just want to say amen to that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I did want to say, as I've been listening to you talk about your marriage and all the things you do in your marriage, the word that kept coming to my mind was intentionality. And then you said it time and again, as you have been speaking. And I think that's so important for married couples to realize that when you're going into marriage, you're not you shouldn't ever be on autopilot, like what you have repeatedly said. And it's an testament in your guys's marriage, you can clearly see it in all that you guys are talking about, and all the tips and stuff. It's very apparent, there has to be a, a form of intentionality, not only to work on your problems, but to protect your marriage mm. on a regular mm. basis. What are some things that people should be doing that protect their marriage? Uh, We're pretty big on um, boundaries. Uh, There's got to be boundaries in marriage, whether it's with, you know, family members, in-laws, 
people you work with, uh, friends of the opposite sex, especially can cause lots of issues. Um, so uh, set boundaries and stick to them. And if, if one of you is seeing some red flags, um, the other partner should take that to heart and not brush them off. You know, if I were to tell Trey, I really think that you're getting too friendly with that coworker and maybe you don't see it, but I'm seeing some things there. Um, you know, he shouldn't say, oh, you're, you're just being silly. You're making, that's, you're making a big deal out of nothing. Um, you know, because maybe it is nothing, but it's better to be safe than sorry. Mm -hmm. So boundaries are definitely important in marriage. Yeah. And I think being open, uh, or we always call it being naked with one another. Uh, we believe God designed marriage for us to be naked with one another, not just, not just physically, but emotionally, intellectually. That means I'm not hiding anything from Lee. Lee's not hiding anything from me mm -hmm. that, um, Lee and I boundaries that we set that are healthy for us. We share passwords. Um, we actually have a note on our phones that are on both of our phones. If I update something or she updates something, it just goes to each other's phone, uh, keeping us, uh, it keeps our passwords for all our social media accounts, uh, email, just pretty much everything. Uh, now it's good because we forget our passwords all the time, but it's also because I want her to know she's welcome to get on any of my stuff. She ever wants to, uh, I don't know if she does, if she did great. Uh, if she doesn't, I'm okay with that too. But the, that, that boundary of knowing that, Hey, my wife is allowed to use or look at, she can pick my phone up. She has the, the code to my phone. And if she wants to pick it up and if it's closer than her phone and she wants to look up something on YouTube or Google something, she's welcome to use my phone at any time. I'm not hiding anything from her. And, and when we hear couples go, uh, you know, this is my phone. I have a lock on it. My wife is not allowed or my husband is not allowed to, to see what's on my phone or what I'm doing on my phone. That's my own personal area. Every red flag in the world goes up that obviously you're doing something that you probably ought not to be doing on your phone that you don't want your spouse to see. And we see that all the time and it's, it's sad. Uh, but that is one of the big boundaries. Uh, we are, we one of another huge boundary. We talk about this in one of our books. Uh, we don't, if we text someone of the opposite sex, it is a friend that we're just giving information to. We don't have conversations with the opposite sex about how was your day? What have you been doing? How's things in your marriage? Mm -hmm. Those are not conversations that I need to be having with other women that Lee needs to be having with other men. Uh, if I have to have a conversation like that, I'll include her in the text message. Uh, welcome, welcome to the message, Lee. Uh, guess what? You get a text message because it, it just promotes boundaries. We see couples all the time that have had good, solid marriages, and it's literally taking just a few weeks of starting to text someone that's a co-worker or someone that's an opposite sex and they build this little friendship and before you know it they're hiding those text messages they don't want their spouse to see them they're deleting those they put a lock on their phone and and we've seen marriages within two months go from a great marriage to we're going to ask you, I need to ask you to move out uh, because I'm rethinking our relationship. And it's because they've allowed someone else to come into their marriage through a phone, through a text message, through a Facebook messenger, an Instagram messenger, a Snapchat. And uh, that's not healthy. Uh, you cannot have, there's physical affairs, 
There's also emotional affairs and emotional affairs kill just as many marriages as physical affairs. So set some boundaries on social media and on cell phones and on friendships. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that you bring up this topic because in the psychology world, I often hear this trend that just does not sit well with me, but they always say that if your spouse needs to look at your phone, that's not okay. You should have your phone should be a private space, which I personally don't agree with. I think that if your phone is a private space, that's, that is more or less like saying my phone carries secrets. Mm. Yes. Again, if, the red flags. If, if there is something that you can't share with your spouse, that's a secret. Mm -hmm. It's not private. Privacy is something that, you know, you're dealing with in, I, I feel in the month in, inside of a marriage. Um, and you don't want like your friends to know about, to me, that's like what privacy is secrets. I think are something that you don't want your spouse to find out about. But I think that if you truly are like what you're saying, living in oneness and have a naked marriage, it shouldn't be hard to, for your, your spouse to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And to, to be a part of all of your relationships, your spouse should be a part of all your relationships. And True. David and I do the same thing when it comes to ministry and talking to people of the opposite sex. If somebody reaches out to him, he always defers them to me, you know, that's of the opposite sex. And if he's talking to somebody that they want to bring in, you know, a female, he'll usually bring me in on it or, you know, just to keep it balanced and make sure that everything is safe and such, you know, because things can happen. And especially in social media, this world has opened up so many problems for, for mm -hmm. marriages. And you hear the word Facebook and so many divorce papers. I think they're saying like 80% nowadays. Yeah. There is like a social media connection to divorces now. So I completely agree with what you're saying as far as phones go and boundaries and just being intentional about protecting your marriage in that way. Mm -hmm. I agree, babe. Um, well said. Um, also, too, I think a lot of times there's a lot of hurting people out there more than ever. Right. And people just want to be heard. If they're not getting that connection with their spouse the way God intended to, they're going to find someone that they could connect to. Mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of times the person that they're connecting to is having issues themselves. So it's almost like a magnet. They're drawing to each other. You know what I mean? And in yeah. the end, it, it could be detrimental. You know? Yeah. yeah. If you're if you're talking to someone of the opposite sex about your marriage problems, you are you are headed down the wrong path. And that is like the number one indicator of, of how did this affair start? Well, I was just talking to them about the marriage problems that I have. I thought because they were the opposite sex that they would understand what I was, you know, they were a friend of my husband's or they're a friend of my wife's. Don't do that. That is, that is just an unhealthy road to go down. Yeah. And in today's culture, there's such a Rom uh, like a grandiose romanticism around affairs, like what you see in Hollywood and things like that. And culturally, it's almost like they're trying to make it more acceptable and like the polygamy lifestyle when it it's really just very destructive. It's very destructive to children, to families, to everybody. I mean, it just, it goes on and on. So 
it's better to be safe than sorry and just protect your marriage and work on what you have. <laughs> True. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what does the future of the traditional family look like, say, in the next 20 years? What do you guys see projecting? That's a good question. <laughs> Well, I think I think that I think families today are looking for that. And and what I mean is, I think because we live in such an information society with Google and social media, um, I think families are trying to figure out how do I do marriage and how do I do family? Mm -hmm. And I think the key is going to be able to is going to be finding your information in the right place, because there's a lot of bad information out there. Yes. And, and if you can find your information in the right place, and we go back to uh, why churches need to be so involved in allowing, hey, come in and bring a marriage workshop, bring a marriage boot camp, we're going to do a marriage retreat, is because couples are looking, and, and some of them are looking toward Hollywood, and a lot of Hollywood doesn't have the right answers. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the key is going to be in the direction of the family is where they find their information from. And, and if we can get the message out about healthy marriages and how to do marriage in a healthy way, uh, it will bless those future kids and future generations to come. If you, if you build a marriage that everybody wants to build, which is a strong, healthy marriage. Lee and I are going to look back when we're 80 and go, it has blessed us. And we're so glad we put in the work, but it's also going to have blessed our kids and it's going to have blessed our grandkids. It's going to be so much more. That sphere of influence is going to be so much more than just of us. It's going to, our kids and our grandkids will reap the benefits of the effort that we've put in. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely, being somebody that came from a divorced family and then being in a stable marriage, I can see how much it affected me as a child. And it still affects me even today as an adult. Uh, there is not a stability like what my husband has because his parents are still married. We know that we can always go to his parents' house for holidays, things like that. It's always stable. It's consistent. There's always that, you know reliability, so to speak. Whereas with my family, I often, me and my sister or, and my brother at times, we would have to stand up and kind of be like the stability in the marriage. So I, I know that, and it's not to shame anybody that's had a divorce because I understand that things happen, but when you divorce, you still have the same issues usually come up in the next marriage because mm -hmm. you haven't learned how to work through the problems that created the divorce in the first place because you just separated in that situation. And I know that there are some situations where you have to make that decision for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can really just push through and both people want to work it out, that is just going to benefit each person individually too in the future for, you know, years to come, not only just in the marriage, but I mean, you as a person, you find healing when you work out problems. Mm -hmm. And what a message is that showing to our children too? I mean, it's showing how to, you know, that your parents aren't perfect, right? And also that your parents are working through problems, you know, a lot of problem solving skills. I think, uh, I think nowadays, a lot of people complain that, oh, there's no, uh, no one knows, no one has common sense nowadays, right? And I think a lot of times that's because they haven't seen their own parents 
navigate through problems. Parents aren't showing their kids how to handle problems in a healthy, productive way. You know, so these kids grow up and they have no idea. They don't know how to solve problems at all. You know what I mean? And I see that a lot, even in our industry. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and I can, I can see the result in our kids too. Like just knowing that we weren't perfect and now we're starting to parent a lot better <laughs> and we're starting to do marriage a lot better, but they're really, you can see the difference in them and how much it's healing them too, just by us rectifying our own situation. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head because your, your children are in your school of marriage. Yes. They're learning how to do marriage by watching you, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's for good or for bad. That's how, you know, when they get married, they're likely going to carry that on. And so we want to be teaching our our children, you know, healthy skills in marriage, like, you know, working through conflict and communicating and loving each other, just being affectionate with each other. So, yes, our children are definitely learning uh, how to do marriage by watching us. That's a great term. The school of marriage. I love that. That just describes it so well. Um, I have one last question because we're we're getting close to wrapping yeah. it up, right? Um, for couples that are really in a place where they have experienced a lot of pain from each other, uh, but they still love each other and they don't want to separate in their marriage or they might be considering divorce because they can't get over the pain, what are some steps that they can take to start moving in the right direction? I would say uh, reach out and find some outside help would be the first thing to do. Find a, 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 a Christian marriage counselor, uh, a marriage coach, somebody that could give them some direction. Uh, the other thing that I think would be really important for them to do is to remember that while we don't like conflict and conflict is not fun, to get back to the area that came before conflict, sometimes we have to go back through conflict. And, and so if I want my marriage to get better, uh, if I want my spouse to do something that I feel like they're not doing, I can either one, learn to live with it, which I don't want to do, or I can bring it up and there's probably going to be conflict. But I'm, I should be okay with that if I know that this is going to make us better. Uh, Lee and I know that we're going to have, there's going to be times where we have some conflict, but we both know we're still, even in conflict, we're on the same team. We want to get better. We want to improve. We want to become closer as a couple. And sometimes we have to have a little conflict in order to get to a better place. So don't fear the conflict. Don't sweep things under the rug to go, well, I don't want us to be mad at each other or frustrated with each other. Uh, learn to have conflict without being mad at each other, but understand conflict. If if you had to go through conflict to get to a bad spot, you're probably going to have to go back through that conflict in order to get back to a good spot. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Man, our at our church yesterday, we had an, an amazing speaker and he said uh, something that was just so impactful to me. And I feel that it really goes hand in hand with what you're saying. He said, sometimes your spouse doesn't know how to articulate what they're feeling. So you have to give them space to be able to say things messy in the beginning. Mm, that's good. And, uh, and sometimes I feel we can be in a position of offense in such a way that when somebody says something messy in the beginning, because they're trying to articulate their feelings, we don't give them the space because we're instantly offended. Um, Whereas, you know, just allowing somebody to talk 
for a time and you just having the self-control to hold your tongue <laughs> can really go a long way. So I love that, that you say very good. Yeah. yeah, that is very, very good. Not being afraid of conflict is so important. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. But you also got to create that safe space too. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, you got to be able to know that, Hey, it's okay to come to my spouse with this. Yeah. They might get upset and everything like that. They're probably going to be triggered, but I mean, if it turns violent, I mean, that's not, you're, you're, you're not going to want to open up to them. You know what I mean? Right. Then you definitely need someone to come in and start talking for you guys and try to mitigate it between that's that help that he was talking about. So. Yes, definitely. Yes. If you can't communicate properly to each other, you definitely need to reach out for help. I completely agree. Well, Trey and Lee, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there any way that our guests or our audience can get a hold of you? If you'd like to share that right now, that'd be amazing. And we appreciate that. Uh, we have a landing page that is okay. treyandlee.com, uh, T-R-E-Y-A-N-D-L-E-A.com. Um, and that will take you to every one of our resources. Um, all of our social media accounts, our books and how to order those. Uh, you can email us there. Um, Upcoming events of yes. where we're going to be all yeah. over the U.S. is there. Uh, everything. What What do you expect in one of our workshops? If we show up, what, what do we do? It's yeah. all there. Uh, and you can read all about it and learn. And we would love to have couples come hang out with us. And we think our, our marriage workshop is a great just kind of boost in the arm to get couples out there to go. We can do this. We've got this. That's awesome. So you guys hear it first on this podcast. If you need help, you don't know where to turn. I would definitely start with stronger marriages. Check out Trey and Lee and get started on creating a stronger marriage. Right on, man. Thank you guys for coming on and we appreciate you and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Honored to be here. Thank, Thank you. So much.